As we continue in our series on the church, I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on. And today we're going to be in two different passages. We're going to be in Acts chapter 20 and 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, if you're not familiar with where, how to find these two books of the Bible, here's what I would encourage you to do. If you're in a physical Bible, open up to the table of contents. Uh, there you're gonna find that the Bible's broken up into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, both of these books are located in the New Testament. So find the New Testament. Acts is five books in, and then several books later, you'll find 2 Corinthians. So find those two books and turn to those chapters. If you're in an app, simply pull down the list of the books of the Bible, and there you're gonna find uh, that Acts is about two-thirds of the way down that list, and 2 Corinthians is about three-quarters of the way down that list. So Acts chapter 20, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, if you watched or listened to last week's message, you heard an illustration that I gave where I talked about how when your affections and desires change, your behaviors follow that. It changes who you are. It changes what you value and what you do and what you say. Now, when I started dating my wife, um, I suddenly found that I rearranged much of what I did, much of what I valued, much of what I said and who I hung out with to spend time with her. You see, I saved money so that I could buy a ring for her. My life began to revolve in many ways around my relationship with Jana and with Jesus. I began planning our lives together. I mean, we started building in trajectories and planning for what was going to happen years down the road. You see, when I was dating my wife, when I was engaged to my wife, nothing else mattered more than that relationship with her and my relationship with Jesus. Nothing. There was nothing more important. And let me ask you a question. Could you, if I asked the question, what is the most important thing in your life, could you quickly or easily identify what is the most important aspect of your life? And then do your thoughts, do your behaviors, do your relationships, etc. do they reflect just how important that is to you? Now, I know that many of us probably struggle with this. This is something we battle back and forth with and, and uh, maybe we could identify something, but maybe our behaviors and, and the things we do and say maybe don't reflect just how important we think that is. But luckily for us, Paul talks about and exemplifies how we're supposed to live based on something that's truly important. So I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 20. We're gonna begin in verse 17. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 17. It says this, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. 
how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of the repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit and not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul is beginning to travel back to Jerusalem. And as we read, we're going to find that he's traveling back and he is fully aware. He, he says it in today's passage. He is fully aware that he's going back and he is going to have very difficult trials when he goes to Jerusalem. He speaks of afflictions and imprisonment. And so he knows that he's heading back to Jerusalem and that when he gets there, things are gonna be difficult. So he stops in this one place and he calls for the elders of Ephesus, the elders from the church of Ephesus to come and, and join him and speak to him and pray with him and minister to him. Now, why the elders? Why does he call for the elders? We've, we've talked about in a few uh, of our past messages in this book of Acts, how the elders, the, the position of elder in the church is something that is repeatedly spoken of throughout the New Testament, that it is an important role within the church. So he's calling the elders because they are the spiritual overseers of the church. They are the ones that make sure that the church is spiritually healthy. Now, don't misunderstand me. They're not necessarily the business people of the church. They're not necessarily the people who are taking care of the finances uh, or the properties or anything like that. They're concerned about the spiritual health of the church. And Paul wants those spiritual leaders with him during this time. And, and we're going to continue to see why as we read through more of today's account from the early church. But look at what he tells these elders from the church of Ephesus. He says that he's being called by the Holy Spirit to go back to Jerusalem. This is not a decision of his own. He's going back because the, what he says is the Holy Spirit is compelling him to go back to Jerusalem. So he's being obedient to the, the leading of the Spirit. And he's not completely sure what's going to happen, but he does know that it will involve imprisonment and afflictions. Now, how difficult must this have been for Paul? He is going back knowing that he is going to go through some very difficult times once he gets to Jerusalem. But at the same time, he also knows that he is being called by the Holy Spirit to go there. And so he's doing this out of obedience, not because he wants to. Then look at what he tells them he's focused on. Look with me again in verse 24, verse 24 of chapter 20. This is uh, him speaking to these elders. He says, but I do not account my life 
of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He's making it very clear that the only thing that he cares about is the gospel. He doesn't care about his life. He doesn't care about the imprisonment or the afflictions. The only thing that he cares about is the gospel being spread. The gospel, meaning the the good news of the grace that Jesus offers, that Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave so that we, all who believe in him, could be saved, could be rescued from the consequences of our sins. That's what matters to him is that the gospel, that good news of what Jesus came and did for us, that that good news is being spread. That's all that matters. And that brings me to today's big idea. If you've ever watched or listened to one of my messages, you know that I usually give one simple statement that kind of summarizes the main point of that week's message. And today's big idea is this, nothing compares to the gospel. Think about that. Nothing in this world, nothing in our lives compares in, in importance to the gospel. Nothing compares to the gospel. Nothing is as important as the gospel is. Nothing is as important as people believing in Jesus and being rescued from their sins. There's nothing that's more important to that. And I'll explain that more here in just a moment. But let's look at what happens next. So they talk more. Uh, they, they mourn over what's about to happen to Paul. They weep for him, but then they also recognize that it is the Holy Spirit that is doing this. And so they send Paul on his journey to Jerusalem. Now pick up with me in chapter 21, the very next chapter, chapter 21, in verse eight, chapter 21, starting in verse eight, it says, on the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. So they've traveled quite a ways from the city that they were in where they met with the elders from the church of Ephesus. They've traveled a long journey and now they're in Caesarea. So verse eight, on the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven and we stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And while we were staying for many days, also a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and he bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So he makes it very clear. 
And basically what's happening here is they've stopped in this town. They've gone to the house of Philip the evangelist, uh, someone that we see in the early chapters uh, of the book of Acts. And Philip had these four daughters who prophesied and were telling Paul what was about to happen. And then another prophet named Agabus comes in and he visually, physically represents what will happen. He binds Paul's hands and feet with his own belt and demonstrates to him that this is what the Jews are gonna do to him. They're going to bind him him up. They, they are going to imprison him. But then look what he says in verse 13. Look again, chapter 21, starting and just read verse 13. Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, he does not care about his freedom and he does not care about his life when it comes to those two things being compared to the gospel. He only cares about the gospel being spread, which goes back to the big idea, nothing compares to the gospel, nothing. Paul's life, Paul's imprisonment, his freedom, none of that matters to him when he compares it to the work of the gospel that Jesus has set him out on. He doesn't care about anything else other than telling people about Jesus. Why does he care so much about this? Why does nothing compare to the gospel in the eyes of Paul? Why is this such a big deal to him? Why is it elevated so high? Well, Paul understands that the gospel is the only way to receive eternal life. There is no other way on the planet to be saved, to be rescued from our sins other than believing in Jesus. There's no other way. We can't do enough good things. We can't donate enough money. We can't be a good enough person to earn our way into heaven. It's only through belief in Jesus and the forgiveness we receive as a result of believing in Jesus, that we can have eternal life. Otherwise, we will suffer eternal punishment. And let me give you an illustration that kind of demonstrates why this is so important. I have a string here, and I want you to imagine that this string does not have a beginning or an end. And this string represents existence. It represents how we will exist. Now, this string represents how God exists. God does not have a beginning or an end. He has always existed and he will always exist. He is what we call eternal. Never having a beginning, never having an end. He has always been and will always be. He has always existed. He is eternal. And we will have an eternal destination. We have a beginning, but we have an eternity that we need to think about moving forward. You see, there, there's a destination that we have in eternity. We will either go to a place of eternal life or a place of eternal punishment. And the life that we live here on this earth, the 70 to 100 years that we live, if we live that long, the average lifespan right now is 76 years. If, if you live uh, less than that or more than that, none of that matters because our life is but a blimp on this long string of eternity. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a little mark right here. 
on the, on the string. Maybe you can't see it. Let me bring it closer to you. You see that little mark? That little mark could represent your life on this earth. And think, if this string goes on and on forever, it has no end, what is that tiny little mark there in comparison to this going on forever and ever? What, what, how much is that little mark right there? How, how significant is that little mark compared to this string that goes on forever and ever? This little mark is nothing. It's a blip. You see, all the things that we're concerned with in this life, all the things that we worry about are nothing compared to all of eternity. It's nothing. You know, we, we worry about our careers. We worry about our happiness. We worry about uh, various relationships. We worry about all these things and we forget to think about eternity, our eternity and the eternity of those around us. We, we forget to remember that our existence on this earth is nothing compared to eternity. And that's why Paul finds it so important to spread the gospel because it's only through knowing Jesus that this eternity will be an eternal life, not eternal punishment, eternal death. And so for us, it's so important to realize the importance, the magnitude of eternity. And that's what Paul recognizes here. And maybe you're watching today and maybe, maybe this concept is something that's new to you. Maybe you've never realized that knowing Jesus has eternal implications. You see, in my own life, this concept of eternity has been instrumental in my life and my faith. Understanding that what I do here will affect the lives of others for all of eternity. That was a huge thing for me. It's part of how I came to know Jesus and it's part of why I do what I do as a pastor because I want everybody to know Jesus and have their eternity saved by Jesus. But maybe you don't believe in Jesus and maybe this is new to you and maybe you've got questions. Maybe you realize the implications of what we're talking about right now and that there are eternal ramifications to believing or not believing in Jesus. And maybe that brings questions to your mind. Maybe you wanna know more. Maybe you're curious or maybe you're ready to make a decision. Maybe you're ready to believe that Jesus truly did die on a cross to save you, to rescue you from your sins. And maybe you do believe that Jesus rose from the grave on the third day, de defeating sin and death. And maybe you're ready to believe in him. Or again, maybe you've just got questions. Well, whatever that is for you, I, I want you to get those questions answered. I don't want you to walk away from this video or this audio and not know, not believe in Jesus, or at least have your questions answered about Jesus. 
And so if that's you, if you want to know more, if you've got questions, if you're ready to make a decision, I want you to do something. I want you to, to, to reach out to us. Uh, go down to the post the, of, this, of this video, click on the virtual connect card. That's going to take you to our church's website to the uh, contact us page. I want you to fill out that little form there and I will personally reach out to you and answer any questions that you may have about Jesus or about eternity. And so reach out to us. Let us answer those questions about what Jesus is and what your eternity looks like and what the Bible has to say about it. So I want us to wrap our minds around what Paul thought about the gospel and how important the gospel was to him. And so I want to go now to that second passage that I mentioned at the beginning of the message, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, so, so take your Bibles, go ahead and start turning there. Let me explain some things that are going on that he has talked about leading up to the passage we're going to read in 2 Corinthians 6. In the previous chapter, Paul has uh, unpacked an idea that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, that the, the old has gone and the new has come. We're different. We're rescued from our sins. We are destined for eternal life. And he's talked about how as new creations, we are now ambassadors for Christ, that, that we are Christ's hands and feet. We're his messengers. We are those that go and share the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus with those who don't believe in Jesus. But I want you to see what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. So keep in mind, he has just made the argument that we are ambassadors for Christ, for Jesus, because we are new creations in Jesus, that we're now something different because we believe in Jesus. And he has unpacked the idea that Jesus has saved us from our sins. And now look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 6.1. It says this, Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I helped you. Now behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Verse three, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Now listen to what he says here. By great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Verse six, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many 
rich as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. And listen to what he says here. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own afflictions. Wow. Long story short, nothing compares to the gospel. Nothing is more important. Nothing has more value. Nothing has a greater priority than telling others, spreading the good news of Jesus. Paul refuses to allow anything to be an obstacle to the gospel being spread. Good or bad, nothing matters compared to the gospel. Nothing is as important as the gospel. Look with me again in verse 12, how he concludes this. He says this, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. You see, we are restricted in our telling others of the gospel. We're restricted from doing that by our own affections, not by outside stuff. It's we that prevents ourselves. We're the ones that get in the way of doing what Jesus wants us to do. But we should not allow anything to be more important than the gospel. There's nothing more important than leading people to eternal life. There are eternal ramifications. Nothing should get in the way. Our comfort, our freedoms, our money, our personal time, our opinions, our kids' uh, sports tournament schedule, our laziness, our excuses, nothing is more important than the gospel and nothing should get in the way of the gospel. We are talking about people's eternity. We're talking about forever. You know, I, I opened today's message by talking about how so much of my life changed when I started dating and got engaged to my wife. You know, and most of us, I think, could probably think of a time when something became so important, so central to who we are and what we want that, that it, it affected other aspects of our life. Maybe it was a career or an education or a, a marriage or a, a child, whatever it may be. We can probably all think of a time when we believed in something, when we valued so, something so uh, importantly that it affected everything else, our behavior and our thoughts and direction that we went. But how does your life Reflect the importance of eternity. That's the question. Both your eternity and the eternity of those around you. Who have you talked to about Jesus this week? Who have you invited to attend church this week? Maybe online or in person. Who have you shared the life-changing hope of Jesus with this week? But Maybe a more central, maybe a more critical question would be, what of affections have prevented you from doing what Jesus clearly calls you to do? What affections in your own life, what distractions have kept you from doing the work of the gospel? There's nothing more important than someone's eternity. 
And so what are you doing to lead people to the eternal life that can only be found in Jesus? Let's go to the Lord. Let's spend some time asking him to touch our minds and hearts and convicting us so that we go out and we make the gospel the most important thing, understanding that nothing compares to the gospel. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much that you gave your one and only son to die for us, that we could be saved from our sins, rescued from that eternal punishment and instead receive eternal life. And Lord, understanding that we're talking about eternity, we're talking about forever, we pray that you would touch our minds and hearts, that you would convict us through the Holy Spirit, that you would drive us to, to share the gospel with those around us, that nothing would compare to the gospel in our lives, that we would not allow any distractions, that our opinions, our busy lifestyles, our desires for comfort or possessions or money, that nothing in our family or, or in our relationships, that our, our, our schedules with things that we find important, that nothing in our lives would prevent us from telling people about Jesus, inviting people to church, to experience the family of God. Lord, help us to truly value the gospel, that our affection would be for the gospel and that our words and our behaviors would be changed because we truly value the good news of Jesus. Help us to be a people that leads every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we lift all of this to you in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.